Welcome to the WRC Podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Marie, and you're in the right place. Here at the Well-Rounded Counselor Podcast, what you can expect is to learn, shift your thinking, and gain personal and professional growth. And if you have not yet done so, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast episode. The conversation starts now. Welcome everyone to the 25th episode of the WRC podcast. I cannot be more excited today to bring you another amazing guest. One you will probably remember long after listening to this episode. And as soon as I learned about this person, I just knew I had to invite him to be a part of the amazing community that I've been creating here on the WRC community. Let me get right into introducing my guest. Claude Olette is the author of Understanding is Everything, a practical guide to self-betterment. Having grown up in a drug-addicted, dysfunctional family, he knows firsthand the direct mental, emotional, and physical damage this type of environment can bring to oneself. A 12-year-old school dropout and a criminal by the age of 14, he is a living testament to breaking the change of the term, product of your environment. As a convicted felon facing 15 years in Florida State Prison, Claude began his journey to self-betterment. Behind cold steel walls, he decided to break the chains of a former generation, You only do what you know until you learn something different is something he shares. Claude spent the next 15 years taking self-help classes, business courses, trade courses, substance abuse classes, and life re-entry classes. Finally, at the age of 35, Claude was released from Florida Maximum Security Prison. He quickly set his long-awaited dreams into motion by using social media platforms to motivationally speak to those who may need a new perspective on life a lesson he wished he had learned before it was too late. Let's all welcome Olette to the WRC podcast. Hey, Olette. I'm great. How are you? I am good, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. And I'm so grateful that we are able to share your story and your message and release that out to the world because people need to hear about this story because it's pretty freaking incredible, in my opinion. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Okay, so I had parents, and I know that my parents love me, but my parents, their their decisions, their behaviors were blurred with drugs and alcohol. And I also had an older sister who was six years older than me, and she loved me greatly as well, but she left the house whenever she was 16 and I was 10 years old where my sister had like a, a another positive influence and my parents were held accountable for not only myself, but my sister. I kind of, I ended up having to bounce from household to household and it caused a whirlwind of emotions. I felt loved, but I felt neglected. And I didn't even really understand this as a kid. This is later on in life, looking back. I don't blame my parents for anything, but I do understand that the way that they raised me directly affected the trajectory of my life. Now, I know that some of the environments that you are a part of kind of led you to making some bad decisions. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? So it's just a continuation of just like my parents were blurred, their decisions were blurred, which affected how I was raised. So by the time I was 12 years old, I quit school and I kind of just did whatever I felt like doing. And if I was accustomed to being around people that were argumentative 
or people that did drugs, then that lifestyle is what was normal to me. And therefore I ended up finding myself around people like that just a whole lot younger. By the time I was 17 years old, I was in maximum security prison. Now, I can't even imagine what that experience would have been like being 17 years old and going into maximum security prison. How long were you in there for? You said 15 years, correct? I was in maximum security prison for a complete duration of 15 years, but I was also locked up as a child. I went to juvenile prison, but like it's a gradual thing. So bad decisions on top of bad decisions, which led at 17 years old to be in maximum security for the next 15 years. Now, can you tell us a little bit of what was happening inside of Olet during that time? I know that that journey of 15 years probably has so many stories and so many layers, but what was the first stage of your experience in prison emotionally? And how did that begin to shape and mold you? Just going to prison, I wasn't ready for it mentally. I thought whenever I agreed to, to I accepted that term, that I was going to be able to go there and I was going to maybe be able to handle it. But then whenever I got there, I, I started to realize that I'm stuck there and people were controlling my life and telling me when I can eat and telling me when I can shower. And then I was a kid in adult prison, which then also brought a lot of other traumas that can really affect somebody psychologically. And I feel like I just purely went off of instinct, which was to survive, establish an identity that just always, it doesn't really end well if again, so if I'm going off of instinct and my instinct was growing up with my parents who were violent and argumentative and I brought that into now what is coming uh, adulthood. And then you put that against other people who were raised like that. Within six months of being in maximum security prison, I was in lockdown for a year for inciting a riot. And it's just, it brought a lot of, it brought a lot of psychological damage. I know while you were in prison, you had shared with me that you did some writing. Can you share with us maybe a little bit about the poetry and the book that you wrote? I, I'm quite curious to learn a little bit more. When I went to prison and then I, I found myself in 24-hour lockdown, you have to, in life, you have to find a purpose. Really, it was at that point that I sat down and I was like, dang, like I'm, this is where I'm at. What do I got going on? And I didn't know how to get through the situation I was in. So I would write poetry started coming to me and I just, I had a really good way to be able to, to write and express my feelings. And then I just started to understand myself. And the more you understand yourself, the better you are able to be able to handle situations because then you have an overview of what is going on as opposed to just going off of emotions. So it was, it was during those lockdowns when I was locked in a room for a long time that I wrote Understanding is Everything, a Practical Guide to Self-Betterment. What can we expect in this book, Understanding is Everything? Well, uh, Understanding is Everything, a Practical Guide to Self-Betterment is just that. It's a, it's a very, so I read hundreds of self-help books. What I ended up feeling, this is what I felt is a lot of the pages were just overkill. And I felt it was very simplistic to understand a few things 
that can really help you navigate life. I just condensed all that information and I wrote, you know, different on different subjects of motivation, uh, understanding self, being therapeutic. And the poetry will describe my emotions at the time of the where, where I was mentally at that point, whether it was my family not being there by my side or my family being there by my side, feeling lost. The poetry describes what was going on in my mind at the time that I was writing it. Wow, I can only imagine what you had gone through because I'm sure that initially it was very traumatic knowing that you were going to be in there for a long time, like you said, that acceptance period. And then when you finally began to accept the process, it sounds like you found ways to cope with that time of self-reflection and figuring out your purpose and finding out what is meant for you beyond the, the four walls of your jail cell. Now, tell us a little bit about the additional things that you did while you were in prison. I know that you mentioned that you read hundreds of books. What kinds of things were you doing to pass the time? So then whenever I got out of lockdown, I was probably around 20 years old. And then I was I was pushed back into open population. But my custody was higher, so I was around a different level of inmates, which they, it was a higher custody. So I was around more violent inmates. And then my families were going, my family was going through their traumas. My sister was going through a divorce. So she wasn't really by my side. My father had lost his business. My mom was in and out of jail. So then now I was having to fend for myself inside this maximum security prison. And that's where I really kind of learned people skills, hustling, and because I had to survive. And it really just put me in a situation where I had to navigate life. Like I was growing up now at this point. And again, I had to survive. So I did whatever I felt was necessary. And that's where I guess like an entrepreneurial spirit came in at. And that's how I got through probably the next five years of my prison term, which caused a lot of heartache, right? So I'm trying to hustle amongst people that are in there for murder and, and every other horrible, horrendous thing that you can imagine. There's a lot of gang affiliation, which I wasn't a gang affiliated. So I had to learn how to build these relationships with the right people, which was very valuable. And I attribute my success to that. So then that's where I would have been. I was in my mid twenties and I had been hustling and I had been, you know, in and out of lockdown, trying to navigate life. And it was, it was there in my mid twenties where I was like, I need to make a change. I told myself, I remember being in lockdown and I told myself that how come there are other people that are able to go through the prison system and not have as much problems, have as many problems as myself? And I really just started to question my decisions and question like what I had going on. And it was really just kind of a self-awareness thing. So tell us a little bit about this neutron that you mentioned to me prior to our call. Can you explain what this is and why it has the significance for you? So whenever I was in prison, I wasn't affiliated with the organization, which is really rare within the maximum security prison system. So 
I it represents for me, which I have it tattooed on me. And and actually, so I'm on social media and I have about 388,000 followers. And I've released videos of me being in maximum security prison getting this tattoo. And it was it was my proudest moment. And whenever I got out of prison, I trademarked this logo. And it just represents that you can overcome any stigma. So within prison, typically you have to be a part of an organization, especially if you are hustling, like I said, I was doing. So what I've learned in life is through relationships, through being determined, you can just kind of overcome any stigma. And that's what it really represents. And it's a neutron because it's neutral and, it, and above it, I just have, I will rise. I love that. And I love the meaning behind that. Now, after you get out of this 15 year sentence, what has your life kind of unfolded to you? And can you give us maybe a little bit of the cliff note version about some of the experiences you had once you were released out of uh, Florida State Prison? So I was released out of prison when I was 34 years old and I was thrust into society. So typically a person that is getting out of prison will go through a transitional period. They will, they'll be in maximum security prison, then they'll go to medium, minimum, and then community where they work in a community and then they go into society released. So for me, because of the things that happened within the prison system, uh, I, in 2007, I was given outside charges for escaping from maximum security prison. So there was a lot of things, the riots, they kept me in maximum security until the day I was released. So the reason why I say that is I didn't have anybody to really say, this is what's going to happen next. This is what is to be expected. I just had to come out here and figure it out myself. So I used all the skills that I obtained in prison, hustling, learning the value of people, always invest in people. And I brought that out here. And just like I chose this, this is one of the things I chose. I chose not to be a victim. So there are, there are situations where you are victimized. However, you still have that choice to take that stance or not take that stance. And I feel personally that by choosing not to take that stance, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm pushing away any suppressed emotions. It just, it, it's just an understanding of this is my situation and how am I going to rise above it? And I think that that was important. So I came to society and I tried to get a job, couldn't get a job because of my record. And it didn't matter. I would always go to these interviews and I would kill the interviews. I would sit down. How you doing? My name's Claude Olet. And I just want to let you know that I want to be a part of your company. And as an employee, I feel that this is what you expect from me. And I want to be able to supersede those expectations. And they would, they would typically in the interview, give me a starting date, send me to go do a drug urinalysis and a background check. And then whenever that background check would come, they would send me an apology letter and say, we can't hire you. So what ended up happening is I ended up going to my uncle's house and asking him, can I use his tools? And I took a picture standing next to his tools on social media and I posted, 
I'm a convicted felon. I can't get a good job. If anybody will hire me, I have references. If you're a single woman, I said, I will wash your dog, mow your grass, clean your car. Surprisingly, the community reached out to me and I was given three job offers within the first day. And it's a testament to just kind of presenting yourself in a certain way. And, and you'll be surprised with the opportunities that, that, that come to you. So I did that and I started working and actually typical labors in, in, in the community that we were in, that I was in, in Georgia, they would get paid probably $14 an hour. And I was getting paid $17 an hour working for myself, doing these side jobs, which was pretty incredible. And that was for the first few months. And then what ended up happening is I ended up going to a car lot to look for a car because I needed transportation. And when I went there, I told them, you know, I need to keep my payment low because I don't, I don't really have a stable job. And the manager said, well, what if I can get you a job interview? And I told him, I said, sir, I don't believe you'll be able to get me a job because I'm a convicted felon. I just did over 15 years in maximum security prison. He said, well, if I get an interview for you, will you come? And I said, absolutely. So the next, that night he texted me and said, come dress to impress tomorrow. And I went the next day. And as soon as I pulled up to the dealership, I got out and the general manager was there, his boss. And he said, I've heard about you all this morning. And I snapped my fingers and I said, well, where's my red carpet? And they hired me right there on the spot. Wow, that's incredible. Now, how did you leverage the, the skills you learned from when you began to re-enter into the society and starting to adapt to having to hustle, get a job, get the car, make payments on things, buy the groceries, start living a little bit more independently? How did you how did you adjust? What did you quickly have to learn? Man, so I I teach I teach so many lessons, but one of the one of the biggest one of the biggest things that I promote and advocate is invest in people because people are your greatest resource. So with that being said, in prison, I'm gonna give you an example. So people that can get you uh, hurt in prison, they have a lot of power. But also, so does everybody else. So when I was in a position where I was hustling in prison, the the person that was maybe not doing so well and he would wash clothes for for soups or coffee i valued that person because that person was able to maybe watch my room while i went out and went to the recreation yard so i've just learned that so many people are value valuable and, and when you start to learn that you start to look at the world in a different sense. And it's not necessarily to use anybody. You just genuinely learn how valuable people are. So that was one of like a huge lesson that I brought from, from prison to society. And then also I've learned this. I've learned the power of really wanting something and, and understanding that it's going to be difficult to obtain it and being okay with that. Whenever I got out of prison, I was successful in prison. So then 
I came out here to society and I would tell people, I don't know if I'll make it out here, but I know the effort that it takes to make it. And I'm willing to put in that effort every single day. And that's just something that I've maintained. Also mantras. I'm big on mantras because mantras kind of subconsciously affect our life. So my mantra is I will rise. So whenever I'm going through situations, my subconscious mind is always, always reacting, right? So I believe and, and practice putting things on my subconscious mind that will affect my direct decisions. Wow. I definitely agree with you that mantras are incredibly important in reprogramming our mind and helping us believe certain thoughts about ourselves. It's so important to have a positive reinforcement, such as a saying like, I will rise. And it has so much power and it can be so inspiring to, to motivate us when we need that motivation. Now, I believe you have a really large following on social media. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey of how you became an influencer? Let's call it an influencer, shall we? And how you managed right. to leverage and inspire other people right now. Well, it's kind of, I'm going to tell you this, man. I've been this way my entire life. So when I was in prison, I was a leader and people would always come to me and they would say, man, you're like, you're always positive all that. And I think it's just, it's just about choosing to focus on one thing versus the other thing, because at every given point of our life, we have a million good things and we have a million bad things. So you just choose whatever you want to focus on. Now I will say this, I do go through, just say, for example, I do get frustrated or whatnot. I'm, I'm a passionate person, but I make the conscious choice to say, I'm not going to stay in that mind state. So what people do is they always see me positive and they're like, man, you're always positive. And it's just, it's not necessarily that, but it's, I just make a choice not to stay in a negative, negative place. So with that being said, people like to be around people like that. And, and really a lot of times, if we're not in a good position in life, it's really just about ourselves because guess what? Be that person that people want to be around and that's going to create more opportunities that the following just grows. And I feel personally, I feel like that's why it grows. When I first got out of prison, I said, I'm going to be successful. And people are like, man, you just got out of prison. You don't like, you don't even know anything about society. What makes you think you'll be successful? You quit school at 12 years old. All you did was read a few books in prison. There were people that many people that said that. So then what I decided to do is because I always dream to help people. I said, I'm going to document the journey. I'm going to post every single day. I am strong enough and believe in myself enough that I will post every single day of my life just so I can create a roadmap for other people that are, that are maybe in my situation or in similar situations. I've said this before, just because I did most of my life in prison doesn't mean that I'm not relatable to many different people. A relationship I was in, she was a stay at home mom. And when her husband up and left her, guess what? She didn't know how to adjust to society. She didn't, she had to figure out everything. She didn't have any money. She's been a stay at home mom all these years. So guess what? I got out of maximum security prison. I didn't know how to adjust to society. So our, our situations 
actually run parallel. And, and that goes for a lot of different things. So my community has grown to just more than other people that are like, oh, they were in prison. And, and I think that is what caused me to be at 388,000 followers right now. Wow, that's well over a quarter million followers, well over. Tell us a little bit, like, what are you envisioning next for this OLET empire? I'm going to call it the OLET empire because I know you have big goals, right. big aspirations. Tell us, like, what's your vision for the next leveling up in your life? Right, so this is what I did, man. I, I made $90,000 my first year out of prison. First year in the society, didn't know what, didn't have a skill period besides people skills and i made ninety thousand. so what i learned is when i was in prison and i was envisioning this great life i felt like that i achieved it like i got out of prison i was like man i got the money rolling in i'm going to the gym and then what ended up happening is like i kind of felt myself not not feeling fulfilled and where a lot of people are scared to question their feelings, they'll suppress their feelings. They'll say, um, oh, you know, just they, they suppress it. And me, I kind of wanted to understand it again, like understanding is everything. What I realized was when I was in prison and I was laying in my bunk and I was envisioning freedom, I envisioned that I would be able to get out of prison and do whatever I wanted to do. Like that's what I envisioned, which it could be a very warped, mentality but when i was out here and i was working i was feeling like there was more to life because i think for decades i laid in a bed and envisioned a different life so this is the realization i came to after the fact what i ended up doing is i would get a whiteboard and I'm, I'm big on whiteboards and i would write down what makes me feel fulfilled and i believe in this so what I, and I, I tell people that follow me to do the same thing. So on a whiteboard, if you write down your ideal self, what I'd say is you must fall in love with the process of becoming great. So if you must fall in love with the process of becoming great, you gotta first write down your greatness. What is your greatness? With my greatness, I wanted, I wrote down some things that I wanted. I wanted to inspire others and I wanted to travel and so whenever I wrote this down, then I wrote on the other side of the board where I presently was. And what I ended up doing is saying, okay, how can I connect these two? So at the time I had been working at my company for a year, I went to my boss and I said, can I work part-time for three months? Because I want to focus on creating a logo, maybe start a podcast, create some merch and write down a curriculum that people that were following me, and I was at about 150,000 followers at that time, just doing inspirational videos. I said, I wanted to create something for them to be able to connect with. My boss told me, Olet, I can't let you do that because if I let you do that, then I gotta let other people do that. And it was at that precise moment that I told him, sir, chasing my dreams is not an option. And I would like to put my two weeks in. And I quit my job that day to chase my dream of being a motivational speaker and and you know causing a ripple effect of positivity and being able to overcome obstacles wow i know you are probably inspiring a lot of people i mean like i said you have almost four hundred thousand followers who inspires you and why 
So there's a lot of people that affected my life. My sister is probably the person that has impacted my life the most. She's a therapist. She grew up in the same household that I did. She separated herself from that and she went on to be successful. And she chooses happiness every day. It doesn't mean that she don't have a stressful life. And I try to tell people this, like just because sometimes you're stressed out does not mean you're not happy. So how I tell people to find happiness is this, you make the most of your situation all the while chasing your dreams. So that, that is the recipe for happiness. So no matter your situation, make the most of it and then chase your dreams at the same time. And every day, you, I promise you, that is, that is happiness. So with that being said, I just created a life that I wanna live and I, and I get up every single day and I walk towards it. I motivate myself and I've just been that way for a really long time. People impacted me, but I put the pressure on myself just to do it. That's amazing. And we all need that intrinsic personal motivation to keep us going, to not lose sight of what's important to us, to not lose sight of our dreams, our goals, our aspirations. And we have to be the person to bring that to life. And we can't let our light dim. We can't let our goals just fall to the wayside. We have to show up in this world. And I know that you certainly have, and I know adversity has been against you from a very young age, but like you said, you have risen and you continue to rise. Is there one final piece of wisdom and advice you want to leave my listeners on the WRC podcast today? So I will say this because you become what you constantly think about. So I'm going to repeat this one more time. Don't be afraid to wipe the whiteboard all the way clean. See, a lot of times people when trying to create their best life, they'll automatically leave things on the whiteboard, whether it's family or whatever. And I understand that. And in society will like almost discourage us from just asking ourselves, what do we want because of other things that are in place. And what I feel like is wipe the board all the way clean. Your kids, your parents, they're gonna go back on the board because they're most important. But when that board is all the way clean, on one end, write down your ideal self. Who do you want to be? How do you want to be recognized? What do you want? When people look at you, what do you want them to think? So because every day we have to wake up and go towards something. If you don't wake up to go towards something, people say, man, Olet, why do you wake up so motivated? Because I'm ready to accomplish this goal. I promise you, if you were going on vacation the next morning, you're going to be a little more excited that morning. So guess what? If you wake up and you're chasing your dream every single day, man, you're going to wake up more motivated. So I just encourage people to create that. And then also in the other corner, create who you are. And what you're going to end up having is you're going to be closer to your dream in some areas and you're going to be further in other areas. So those are bridges. So all you need to learn how to do is bridge the gap, bridge the gap, and then understand this. Life is difficult. It's always going to be difficult. It's been difficult since the beginning of time. Be okay with that and fall in love with the process of getting there, which we all heard it, but to really understand it and, and that'll change your life exponentially.
I love that advice that you've given us just now. And I loved everything you've shared with us, your journey, your story, what you've gone through, how you've overcame it. It's been really inspiring. And I, and I know that it's going to inspire many people when they listen to this episode. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they? Well, just follow me at on TikTok at O-L-E-T-C, which is Olet is my last name. Claude is my first name. So O-L-E-T-C. Amazing. I'm going to leave those details down in my show notes, along with the link to purchase your book, as well as all my other freebies and ways you can get in touch with me and be a part of my WRC community. Now, Olet, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today. It's been so much fun to have you a part of this podcast and I hope you had a great time today too. Everybody else, I hope to catch you all on the very next episode and have a blessed day. Did you love the episode? I hope you're feeling inspired and no longer feeling alone out there and you're ready to evolve and become a better person. Make sure that you share this podcast or take a screenshot and post it on your social media. That's how you help spread this podcast organically and people can find it much easier when you share or share it with a loved one. I'm your host, Katrina Marie, and make it your mission to be a blessing in someone else's life today. Hey, WRC fam. Are you a school counselor looking for support and mentorship? I've launched the Well-Rounded Counselor Facebook group, There, you'll find lots of encouragement and community from counselors all over the world. You can join the live trainings where you can connect and learn from myself and others. It's a safe and private group, and only you have to answer a few questions to join. I'll leave the link down in the show notes, but what are you waiting for? Join today, and I'll see you in the group.